We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the NBA front office show, breaking down all the latest NBA news. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. Okay, X. Sorry, Elon. I guess I got to call it X. Uh, joined by Keith Smith at Keith Smith NBA over on X slash Twitter, whatever it's go- it's going to be. Keith, how are you doing? It's still Twitter, man. I'm not. I'm not giving in. That X <laughs> is dumb. Like that's a stupid name for a website. So I'm still gonna call it Twitter, and now people can come for me if they want. But I'm still gonna call it Twitter. Plus, I don't do really. I, I don't do change really well. So so I'll just stick with Twitter for now. Yeah, that's true. I, I I'm gonna keep calling. Although I still call in in Southern California. Now it's like the Honda Center. Where I still call it the Pond, and that's from like 20 years ago or whatever. Yeah. Like uh, that's how I know it's always going to be Staples Center to me, no matter yeah. what Crypto.com or whatever. like I'm always going to call it Staples Center, just because yeah. you know we we're creatures of habit and we wind up sticking with things like that. Um, it's funny, I you know in in my mid 40s, and there's still people in my life that I still call like Mister and Mrs. because mm-hmm. like, they were grown ups when I was a kid. So like, and they continue to be like don't call me that. Like one guy's like, call me Rick. And I'm like, I just can't like, I, I just can't make myself do it. So, so there, you know, that, that'll probably never change either. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's just the way it is. It's, it's the way it, like, you're just always going to look at them through, through that yeah. lens. Um, It's funny, you know, this is our, our Trevor and Keith complain about getting older moment. We're both dealing with back issues uh, from stupid things that should not create back issues right now. And so before we, we came on the air here, we both got to kind of bitch and moan to each other about our, our back problems. Yeah, we're, we're, yeah, this is a, yeah, this is, this is a rough show where we're like, all right, let's Grumpy get through old this. Men. And then we can go back to finding a comfortable position in the yeah, I can I can go back to my bottle of ibuprofen and yeah, uh, and, and call it good. Um, <laughs> Keith, we actually had basketball on just the other day. Team USA routed Puerto Rico. It was a game for a little bit. For a little bit, it was interesting. Puerto Rico was hanging in there, but eventually yeah. the U.S. just pulled away. And that was the U.S. shooting atrocious from behind the arc. They they could not hit. Felt like anything. Wind up shooting six for twenty-seven from three, and they won one seventeen to seventy-four. I mean, it's it's Puerto Rico, so I don't know that you'd suddenly say, okay, Team USA is just going to be dominant all the way through uh, the World Cup. They've got some some tougher tests coming up. You got Spain this weekend, Slovenia as well, and these kind of tune-ups for the World Cup. But nonetheless, pretty good start for the team. Yeah, in. 
Puerto Rico is one of those uh, teams in international basketball. They're not like a new first-time qualifier or anything. They've given teams trouble in the past. They've beaten some good teams. Mm -hmm. This particular version, little watered down. They know Jose Alvarado. Uh, he's out with an injury. that He would have been their only NBA guy. Uh, so Tremont Waters is probably the closest thing to the guy who's played he in the good. NBA quite a bit. He was good, and that was a little concerning. The USA had a little bit of trouble guarding him at first, but they locked in. But yeah, to your point, it was the shooting. That, that's where they really struggled. They could not get three-pointers to fall uh, for most of the game. And, and some of the guys who are on the roster really to be shooters, Austin Reeves, Cam Johnson, they want to combine two of eight. So we'll, we'll see. I'm not overly worried about you know how it all comes together for them because I think for the most part, they turned up the defense when they needed to. Mm -hmm. They locked in and they 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 ended up playing you know well enough to to get the win. We saw as it happens every uh, tournament in these you know type things. There's one or two guys who are the guys who are kind of on the outside looking in. And the first was uh, Josh Hart. He did not play at all. Uh, there were some rumors that was because he's finishing the extension. the contract, right? So yeah. we'll see. You know what happens with that? There was also a rumor that he's, he picked up like a very minor uh, injury and they were just being safe. And then Walker Kessler barely played. So, but that's mm -hmm. how it goes. There's only, you know, 12 guys on the roster. There were only 40 minute games. There's only so minutes, so many minutes to go around. So, so we'll, we'll kind of see how that all comes together. I thought it was interesting how often Steve Kerr wanted to go went small with Paulo yeah. Bancaro at the five. That was interesting to see. And I think that's going to stick. I think that's the thing that they're going to do moving forward. I do too. He he said that in the past, uh, Team USA has felt one of the advantages that they have over some of the other countries is having five men who can kind of rip and run, uh, play with the ball um, as soon as they get it off the boards and just go. So that's something with Paulo Bancaro that he can certainly do. So I think you're going to see quite a bit of that. Uh, throughout the course of it. And that's good for Paulo Bancaro, you know, for his kind of development. I, I think there's more opportunity, hopefully this year, if the Magic are healthier, for them mm -hmm. to play him at the five. He mostly played uh, the four last year, but played some, you know, unfortunately due to injuries at the three and the two, which that's not ideal, right? That's no. not really what we want to see. But, you know, if you can get him, you know, four or five minutes a game at the five, uh, small ball five uh, situations. That that's that's not bad. I think that's something uh, would really benefit him and the Magic long term. And for for us, Keith, it was just it was so great to have NBA basketball on. It's you know NBA <laughs> players anyway. Sure. I know it's technically not NBA basketball. The ball's different and and everything. The rules yeah. are different. But but NBA players in action in August. I was it was times were getting rough. Okay, there's only so many times I can go watch, you know, YouTube highlight videos and stuff like that. Sure. Um, to have actual NBA players in action in August, oh man, that that was much needed, much needed, and I'm I'm so grateful that we've got this FIBA World Cup going on right now. Yeah, absolutely. I went through. I uh, actually finished it up this morning. I was working on going through all the rosters that have already been released <clears throat> for it. Now some teams are still. They've got 16, 17, 18, 20 guys on roster. But I went through and I pulled all the NBA guys with NBA ties. So guys who are either on the NBA team or um, they, they're like, like NBA draft rights are owned by a team. So mm -hmm. there are um, total 67 NBA uh, related players uh, on World Cup rosters right now. That's probably, I'll probably come down a couple as teams make their cutdowns. Team USA, obviously, all 12 guys are NBA players. 
Do you know which two countries have the next most uh, NBA players on their roster? Mm. Is it France? No. Is that one of them? No? Nope. Oh, I mean, Canada. Canada, yep. That'll be Canada. Canada's one. But I don't, what's the other one? Australia. Oh, okay. Yeah, they both have 10 NBA players on their rosters right now. So Canada has um, – now, Canada, this is maybe cheating a little bit because we don't know what's going to happen with O'Shea Brissett. Sounds like he's probably not going to play. And uh, Jamal Murray sounds like he is still on the fence on playing. But they're still on the roster for now, so that's their 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 part of their ten. And then Australia, yeah, ten guys: Xavier Cooks, Dyson Daniels, Dante Exum, Josh Giddy, Josh Green, Joe Ingles, Jock Landale, Patty Mills, Matisse Thybul, and Jack White for, wow. for Team Australia. All right. Yeah, and then the next cool. most is we. There's a couple with four. France is one of the ones with four. They've got uh, Nick Batum, Evan Fournier, Rudy Gobert, and Frank Nilakina. And then uh, Serbia has Bogdan Bogdanovic, Nikola Jovic, not Jokic, uh, Philip Petrosev, and then uh, Nikola Milutinov, who's a draft rights guy with, with the Nets. And then Germany has Dennis Schroeder, Daniel Tice, and Franz and Mo Wagner. So, mm. so there, there, there we are with uh with that. So just thought that was a little fun to kind NBA of NBA players. Yep, NBA players in, in action here uh, for countries. Around the world, and we'll get to see them play uh, in FIBA coming up in just a, just a few weeks. <laughs> Provided you get up very early or stay up very yeah, late. I know. <laughs> I, I was thinking we've been doing the play by plays for these. I, I'm going to keep doing them. The the uh, these I don't want to. It's not preseason, but these exhibition games. Mm -hmm. Those these are very doable. These are all, you know normal times. <laughs> Sure. I'm looking at the actual FIBA games and I'm like, oh my gosh, what are, yep. what are we thinking about? I don't know if this is going to be possible or not because they're yeah. literally on it. Isn't it like like 3 a.m. or 4 a.m.? The first ones start at 4 a.m. Eastern is tip off for the first sets. I would games. just have to not go to bed. I would just have to say Yeah, up. Yeah, I'd see for me here on the East Coast, that's just a early morning wake up. Thankfully, Team USA, 8.40 Eastern in their first one. Their second one is also at 840, but then their third one's a rough one. That's at 440 in the morning. Oh. Um, they're playing Jordan. So that one might be one where I tape it and then watch it a little later. Yeah. Uh, it's it's also on a Wednesday. So that might be one where uh, I, I get Bella off to school and then I go sit down and, and watch the game. That might be the way to go with that. Yeah. That might be the way to go. Yeah, I don't think I'm getting up at 440 in the morning. We'll see. Oh, gross. <laughs> so gross. Um, all right. Let's get into, we got some trade updates, kind of yeah. about as about yeah. as big of an update anyways you're going to get <laughs> in August here, right? Yep. I mean, uh, Shams Trania had some of this, uh, Pascal Siakam, and kind of an interesting situation with Pascal Siakam and the Raptors because he wants to be in Toronto. He wants to be in the Ra with Raptors to the point where he's made it known to other teams like the Atlanta Hawks, rumored to be the team that is the primary suitor for him, that he will not sign an extension with any team that trades for him. Normally we hear, I will only extend with teams X, Y, and Z as a way to scare off other suitors. He's trying to scare off all suitors. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to go. You can't make me. Uh, that's what, what Pascal Siakam's trying to do. What's, what's the best, what's the best bet for Toronto? Is it you just keep them? Is it you trying to trade them anyway? What, what do you do here? Yeah, if I'm Toronto, I don't necessarily really care if he doesn't want to extend somewhere. Somebody offers me a great deal, I'm taking it. Because sure. I, 
I'm I'm starting to feel like Toronto. I I've said this on a couple radio hits this week. I feel like they're a team in transition that hasn't admitted to themselves yet that they're mm-hmm. in transition. I don't know that you can go into next summer risking losing Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi for nothing. After you lost Fred Van Vliet for nothing, Gary Trent Jr. can also be a free agent. He opted in for this coming year, but he'll, he'll be a free agent next year as well. Uh, really, then you're kind of Jakob Pertl and Scotty Barnes. Not bad players by any means, but that's kind of the guys you're moving forward with. So I can understand with Toronto. Now, uh, there was also a comment made in there, and then there's been like like various interviews and in that that Shams has done, I think, based on the, the premise of this piece coming out, where it was every time a team gets with Masai Ujiri, he's like, ah, you know, I'd also need X, Y, and Z. And then they come back with, okay, I think we can do X, Y, and Z. He's like, oh, well, I also need A and B too. Yeah. And it's like, then that's kind of, well, I'll trust. trade them, but you're going to have to blow me away, right? I'm not right. going to just you know, give them give them to you for for nothing, and we're just kind of going to roll forward. So I'm really not sure that the, the what he references in the article, Shams, is the he I'm talking about here, says uh, DeAndre Hunter and A.J. Griffin plus yeah. draft compensation is kind of the outline that's been put together in a potential Siakam trade. It's not a great return pending what that draft compensation is. We yeah. got to remember too, Hawks are a little light in draft picks because they still owe a couple to the Spurs from the DeJounte Murray trade. So that starts to get to be like, yeah, do they have enough to really go get them? And we'll, we'll see. My guess is this one might be one that doesn't happen. And then we'll probably be talking about this leading up to the trade deadline too. We've been talking about the Raptors at the trade deadline for like multiple years yeah. now, and they just keep saying, "No, we're just going to stick with with what we've got." And not they've it's been like the history of this show, right? They've been the team that everybody is watching to see what they do. It feels like the a lot of the trade deadline activity hinges upon the Raptors, and they keep just not doing. And it, like you said, they feel like a team that should be in transition moving towards you know what's your next generation but then they went and acted as a buyer at the trade deadline this this last year and they went and they got yaka pertle now they gave him a new deal i'm not sure exactly what the plan is in toronto it feels like they're kind of straddling the fence right now and that's that can be dangerous in the NBA. we talk about treadmill teams right you have to pick a direction and go and i'm i would think raptors fans have got to be getting at least a little bit concerned that Maybe they're entering that treadmill territory because I don't look at this team without Fred Van Bleet specifically and say, this is a team that's going to really go make some noise in the East. But I also don't look at them and say, hey, this is a team that's going to be getting a top draft pick and they're going to get the next star player to come out in the draft. I think they're stuck right in the middle and uh, doesn't seem like they're eager to, to pick either direction right now. Yeah, they feel like to me, one of the low end play in teams, like the yeah. nine or 10 seed play in team or out of the play in tournament, but not you know, one of the bottom three teams in the conference. So somewhere between like nine and like 12 in the conference. And that's, that's really not where you want to be. Right. Because then you're, you're relying on lottery luck and other things to really kind of boost you. They also owe a draft pick to, to the Spurs. It's top six protected uh, this upcoming season. So that's going to kind of factor in a little bit, you know, where are they, you know, what, what, what do you want to do um, with that kind of situation? That's from the portal trade. So that gets, you're really messy with, with this Raptors team because I think to your point is, yeah, where are we going? Right. You, you 
you traded for Pirtle, but then you let Van Vliet go. And I'm not saying letting Van Vliet go is necessarily the wrong decision. Maybe they didn't want to pay him anything close to that uh, you know, max salary deal. He didn't get max years from the Rockets, but he did get max salary in a couple of years. So maybe they didn't want to do that. And that's fine, right? If you're looking at it and they, they know him better than anybody and they're saying, eh, he's, you know, he's get, getting, you know, to, to the wrong side of 30 here pretty soon. He's a smaller guard. He's had some injuries, didn't shoot well the last couple of years. All right. You know, we're ready to move on. That's fine. But then you kind of didn't, you kind of brought in Dennis Schroeder, fine signing, you know, good stopgap signing sure. for nothing else, but that's all it kind of is. So I just, I'm not sure what we're trying to maintain here. This is not like, you know, one of those teams that's kind of the, I, I don't know of a recent team that I can think of with this, but like one of those kind of proud playoff teams that's like, yo, we're going to, we're, we're one more run with this core. We feel like mm-hmm. we can get it there. I would say the Warriors, except they won the title two years ago. Yeah, so right, right. It doesn't exactly feel right with them, but a team kind of sort of like that where you're like, we got one more run in this. Let's go. We, we can do this. And, you know, and this team just doesn't really feel like that. Yeah, I agree. They they definitely don't. It, like you said, it would be different if the Raptors were like the five seed or something sure. like that a bunch of years. And we just looked at them and went, yep, this is a solid team. They've got some. And if, and if things break right, you just never know. No, we know what the ceiling is for this team. And while they could be in maybe the playoff mix, but they're but that's probably their ceiling is what yeah. the seven or the eight seed. That's probably the, the best case scenario. And that's certainly not the most likely outcome. So it's just surprising, especially given how much how much credit is given to Masai Ujiri around the league, right? For being this just incredible GM who is, you know, just ahead of everybody else in the game. And then we hear, you know, stories like that about the way he's negotiating. And look, te- other teams will paint the negotiating strategies of, of the teams they're trying to negotiate with in a negative light, right? Because it's, it's you want to you want to get yeah. a deal done, right? Yeah. So. I'm not saying he's he's bad at his job or anything like that, but he's portrayed as this guy that is just way ahead of everybody else and is one of the best GMs in the game. I don't know if that's really been true over the last couple of years, and I'm a little worried about this this Raptors team right now and exactly where this is all going to lead to because I don't I don't see what the what the end game is here. Yeah, I'm with you on that too, and I always go back to and and I do think Masai Ujiri is, is very good at his job. Agreed. I think Bobby yeah. Webster, who handles, I think, a lot more of the day-to-day type of stuff like this than maybe we really give credit to. But I look at Masai. When he left the Denver Nuggets, they weren't really in great shape. That that The team, he had kind of built them up, but then it was like, all right, now I'm out of here. I'm going off to Toronto. And they were kind of a mess. And it took a little while for, for them to kind of reset and then retool and rebuild into what they've become. And with Toronto, obviously, he built a title team. And this is the kind of idea of, hey, you can build a title team. That's going to carry for years and years and yeah. years. We've seen a lot of guys. I mean, Danny Ainge lived off building a title team for a very long time in Boston and through some very lean years where a lot of other GMs, I think, probably would have got let go, would have got fired. But it was, you know, hey, let's go. And then he, then he obviously kind of flipped it into – you know, a second version of a you know very good team uh, very quickly. So I think now what we're looking at with Toronto is just pick a direction because you're just kind of sitting here. And that doesn't mean you got to give your guys away. No. You should hold out for good returns because these are good players. But, you know, if we're still, you know, if we finish the trade deadline and you're floating down in that, you know, 
lower end of the play-in tournament or worse range of Pascal Siakam still on the roster, I'm going to have serious questions about what we're doing here moving forward. I mean, aren't we having the same discussion about the Chicago Bulls right now? Yeah. And and yeah. and I think most people will put the the Raptors front office in a, in a much it will hold them in much higher regard than the Bulls. And and look, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm not saying Messiah is not good at what he does, but just you're starting to get into that you know raise some eyebrows territory where you, they could get stuck here if they don't really make a decision. That's a great point. All right, uh, let's talk a little bit about OG and Anobi. Um, so he's a guy who's been kind of on the market. He was out there. There were rumors about like big time offers coming in with multiple picks. Uh, but I do want to stress, and I think this is an important talking point too, when we get to Damian Lillard, that we hear these stories about, oh, it was three first round picks. It was four first round picks. Keep in mind that there is a wide, wide (laughs) gap in value between first round picks, right? Like there's yeah. all first round picks are not created equal. It's just the the way it is. There, there's fake first round picks. There's first round picks that project to be at the end of the round. There's first round picks that project to be at the beginning of the first round. And the, the difference in value between those picks is massive. So I think when we look at guys like OG and Anobi and we hear, oh, there was, you know, there was an offer out there of three picks or four picks or, or whatever. We have to keep in mind that these that the the value of these picks can vary wildly depending on what they actually are. Yeah, I always go back to just a couple years ago at the draft, the Knicks made that trade where it was like the Knicks got three first rounders to move around, and that was the Jalen Duran swap mm-hmm. and all that stuff with, with the Pistons and the Hornets. And then when it came out, it was like, oh, but a couple of the picks that the Knicks got. They've got very hefty protections on them. They might never convey and it just gets a little messy. So that's one of the things where, yeah, you got to really, you know, understand our, what are we talking here? We, we talk in, you know, picks from a team that looks like they're going to be terrible for a couple of years and they're coming in. All right, great. Are they picks from a team like the, not saying the Suns have done anything wrong with their roster building, but the Suns trading first round picks that are still five and six years out in the Kevin Durant trade that probably ends up okay for Brooklyn, right? Because mm-hmm. the Suns will be something different by that point. They won't be what they are today. So so that's kind of the things you got to look at a little bit there and say, all right, you know, what are we doing? And by all reports from, again, this is from Shams, in the same piece on The Athletic, and it's kind of nestled in the Siakam section, is he talks about uh, the offers for Ananobi have been low-value first-round picks. So that tells mm-hmm. me either protected or their picks from teams that, yeah, fine, but what do I want your pick from? That's going to be pick 25 or later. Right. Yo, know, I don't really know. Now, every once in a while, those end up okay, right? The wheels come off, the team falls apart, and it ends up, you know, wow, what a great pick. You know, we ended up getting. That does happen, but sometimes it turns into, wow, you know, okay, we thought something might happen here, but instead we ended up with two picks that are both number 25. Like, we heard Memphis made an offer for Ananobi at the trade deadline that included multiple firsts. My guess is it was like, Hey, we have our first. They had that warriors first that ultimately got traded to the Celtics uh, this summer. And the, the Marcus smart Porzingis uh, uh, Tyus Jones trade with, with the wizards in the Celtics, but it, it is, um, it was probably something like that, right? It was that warriors yeah. first, a couple of our own first. And it's like, well, you're going to be really good. So your picks aren't great. That Warriors pick's not probably going to be very good either. And that's just, those are the things you have to kind of read between the lines a little bit with this reporting. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking of Memphis, I, I, I forgot to mention off the top, we are still doing our team reviews. Yes. Um, we're going to get to them on our on our next show. We had enough news today to where we weren't sure if we were going to be able to squeeze in. It was the Grizzlies and I believe it was the Pistons were the Pistons, other team. Yep. Um, yep. So, but we'll get to them on our, on our next show. So those of you who are looking for that stuff after we did uh, Orlando and San Antonio the last show, we'll be doing that just a little later this week. We'll get yeah, into, we really don't uh, the Grizzlies. change those and rush through no. them. Um, and they both they didn't have super duper active off seasons, but they're interesting teams that did stuff. So we want to mm-hmm. spend enough time talking about both teams. All right, let's talk a little bit about news that actually came out today, and that's that's yeah. Josh Hart uh, gets an extension done. We knew this was coming eventually, but it's a four year, eighty plus million, eighty one is the the exact number uh, million dollars. So an average annual value of twenty million per season for Josh Hart. Uh, great contract for Josh Hart, who was a, a late first round pick. A great, great rebounder for a guard, and and was one of the steadiest players on the Knicks last season. So this is this is a fantastic deal for him. Do you like the value for New York? Twenty million a season to Josh Hart. I do, and this is a, an example of the improved veteran extension rules. Uh, getting uh-huh. a player more money, he gets uh, the the full hundred and forty percent. Um, that he was able to get off of his uh, new salary. Um, Bobby Marks did a great job laying this out under the old CBA. Would have been a four-year, $69.7 million extension. Here in the new CBA, four years, $81.4 million. So, uh, you know, not a ton of money, but that $12 million or so, or I guess $11.5 million, that's really good for Josh Hart. So, Not, uh, not a ton of money. It's only $11 million. Yeah. That's- that, that's it. Did you did you win the Mega Millions, Keith? I saw the winning ticket was in Florida. Is that why you're you're saying eleven millions not not a ton of money now? If I had, I don't think I'd be doing the show with you today from here. Uh, me and you would be on our private jet, to our <laughs> newly built studio somewhere for us just to do the show from and hang out. <laughs> so if, if if I do win Mega Millions at some point, I will build the front office studio and it'll have all kinds of stuff in there that no one ever uses, but it's going to be awesome anyway. And it's going to look incredible. That That's, yeah, that's going to be the important part. Yep. Yep. Sounds Plus like snack. a plan. Plenty and plenty of snacks. Sounds like a plan. We'll have front office HQ and uh, it'll be a good time. <laughs> there it is. But yeah, I mean, so he did well in this, right? He got a, a really, you know, solid uh, value extension here, then got the raises on top of it, which brings it out to that 80, 81 million. So cap hits 18 million, 19.6, 21 million, 22.5. All fine. No, no issue with any of those for for Josh Hart. I think that's a really good solid value for, for him, for the Knicks. I think for where they're going uh, moving forward, I, th- I think that's good. They've built good depth um, there with, with that team. They can now deal from a little bit of a position of strength on the wing if they need to, if they decide, you know, we really need to get another big in here or whatever it is that they're, 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 they've done well, I, I think, with the way they built this roster mm-hmm. up moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Again, and again, they'll find another. Backup for for Julius Randle there, but Josh Hart, uh, I mean, so important for them and, and what we saw from them last season. And uh, this is look, it, it's not the Knicks of a decade ago where they're they're going out and chasing the stars of yesterday to add to their team. They've uh, they've done a nice job building up this roster, and so there's there's certainly reason for optimism in New York. I also think they're a team to keep an eye on with the pieces that they've got. Every time or the next few years, when a superstar pops on the market, I think they're a team to keep an eye on to potentially package together a few players and, and go after them. 
Yeah, and the good thing is they they're sitting on. I know some people don't like the Julius Randle contract, and that's sure. fine. I can't argue with that too much. And I personally think it's it's a fine contract for everything he brings that team. But and I know RJ Barrett. There's you know it seems like people either love RJ Barrett or they hate him, mm-hmm. right? There's there's very little in between on him. I'm personally still a fan and think he can play. But those are the only kind of even sort of questionable contracts. Everybody else is sitting on a great deal. So very movable contracts. They've got some guys. Something's eventually for me going to have to give because you've got Jalen Brunson, RJ Barrett. Those those have been the, the guys, um, you know, kind of in the backcourt perimeter guys. Quentin Grimes emerged last year as a starter uh, as well for the Knicks. But then you've also got – now you got Josh Hart, you got Dante DiVincenzo um, with Grimes, with Emmanuel Quickly, who can both play on and off the ball. You just get kind of a lot of overlapping talent there in, in a spot where someone's not going to play a lot. And that's going to be something that Tom Thibodeau is going to have to figure out. Because again, remember, this is not a guy who exactly splits his minutes evenly between his uh, starters and his bench either. His starters oh, no. run. You know, they're going to run, you know, in the mid to high 30s in minutes at least. So then that's going to turn into, you know, something's got to give at some point. But you're dealing from a position of strength if you're the Knicks and you can kind of let that that sort itself out as it comes down the line. Right, right. All right, let's get into uh, our, our final topic of the day, and that is our obligatory Damian Lillard and James Harden trade updates, which right now, Keith, the, the – like there's not a lot of business left to be done in the NBA. A lot of, a lot of execs, a lot of team personnel, players are they're on vacation right now, right? They're they're taking this time, getting ready for the season. They're doing their workouts and stuff like that, but also taking taking some time with family. So, this is a slow time of the year anyway. But any of the other business that needs to be done in the NBA right now, with the exception of you know some things like Josh Hart and stuff like that, but. A lot of it is kind of on pause while we everybody's waiting to see primarily what happens with Damian Lillard, but James Harden also in that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know if we go with the Damian Lillard one first. Yeah, it's still can Miami get to the assets they need to get to right? Where it was a lot of rehashing of the same stuff we've heard of. Miami believes they can trade Tyler Hero. Well. That's great. Let's get on with it then. If we if, if there's a trade out there right. that's gonna get you the picks or some some version of a three team trade or whatever it is, like let's make this happen. So you know, and that's I I think it's kind of we were talking about it with a couple other guys. It's gone a little too far on the Tyler Hero stuff with people you know acting like he stinks and isn't good because he is a good player. Um, so that's a part where I, I struggle a little bit in this whole situation. So I do think they could move him and get what they need. But what's interesting to me is with this one and to some extent with the Harden uh, piece too, is I think this has held up those last few free agents of no that are out there. Cause I think they're kind of waiting to see like, Hey, if uh, Miami or the Clippers or Philly for some reason, or you know, maybe even Portland or whoever jumps in this trade if they have like two, three roster spots to fill after, I may be able to get in there and get a bunch of playing time and you'll really figure it out. I think that could be what's holding up with Christian Wood and Kelly Uber Jr. Exactly. DJ Washington, maybe he's a restricted guy, so that one's a little harder uh, just to parse through with that. But but I think that's you know something that's that's holding those guys up. But yeah, so Lillard, let let's see. You know, I still continue to believe people ask i know you do the same thing i do you do radio appearances and there's not a lot to talk about so invariably turns into this topic they always say so where's damian lillard playing next year 
And for me, I continue to say, I think he'll end up in Miami. And yeah. just the stars end up usually where they want to end up. Just how we get there and when we get there, that's the open-ended question. Well, and, and a point that I brought up uh, on a show I recorded yesterday was that, like, this is creating urgency is something, it's a very important element of getting deals done in the NBA, in professional sports in general, as well as in life. It's why you have, you know, a weekend sale, you know, Labor Day sale, right? This weekend only get 20% off and up tomorrow the sale goes away. So you need to make a decision and act right now. That urgency isn't there right now because it's August. Once we, the closer we get to training camp, the and that, uh-oh, we're going to get the guys on the court soon. That starts to creep in. That's when you're going to get more activity. And, and I think we're going to see, you know, the sides kind of, the walls will come down and ultimately they'll figure out a way to, to get a deal done. It's the same concept with the trade deadline. The fact that there is a deadline creates action, creates activity, creates yeah. urgency. As long as they can push it off and say, well, you know what, we'll just wait. That just gives them more time to dig their heels in and say, no, we're not going to budge. The closer you get to the season actually starting, the more that we're going to see, I think, that urgency increase to get something done and to make it happen. And I think, really, if I'm looking at the two sides here on the in the Lillard situation, the urgency is going to increase more for Miami because I don't think Portland is worried too much about, hey, if Dame's on the roster next season, then he's on the roster next season. And if he comes mm -hmm. to play, great, you know? We'll, we'll go ahead with that. But for Miami, they got to be looking at it going, oh, man, we lost Max Struess. We lost Gabe Vincent. This roster is really we, – we're all kind of all in here on getting Damian Lillard. I think the urgency for Miami picks up the closer we get to the season actually starting. Completely agree with, with that. I think, too, you get to a point where there's, you just need transition time. You need time for those reps and that yep. uh, kind of chemistry to develop on that one. Where if you're Portland, it's like, all right, we'll just kind of – roll it back with adding in the couple of rookies and, and we'll go forward with very similar team to what we had a year ago. And, you know, Scoot Henderson and uh, Chris Murray, you're going to join the mix and we'll figure it out as we go uh, here with them. And I don't think they're really worried. I, and I, I don't think anybody should be worried about Damian Lillard, whether it's Portland no. or another team trades for him, he's going to show up and play. I know there was the whole you're trading for an unhappy player and all that stuff, but he, he just doesn't seem like that guy who's just going to all of a sudden be like, well, I'm not coming in. Or if I come in, it's going to be, you know, a real mess. Unlike the other guy in this update, I think <laughs> as you speak about urgency, I think the urgency really flips to Philly in this one of, yep. I don't want to open training camp with James Harden still on the roster. And if I do probably telling him just stay home. Like, I don't think I want him even coming in because we've seen what it looks like when James Harden doesn't want to be someone. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Yeah, that and that's not pretty. And I think the Clippers are playing this well because they're like, eh, we're kind of interested, but not all that <laughs> interested. Like, they're... They're playing that situation very well because, like you said, there's going to be a growing urgency on the on the side of Philadelphia. And but it's such an interesting dynamic with Harden because if you're Philly and the Clippers say, uh, we'll give you a couple of like guys who might be your ninth or tenth man or something, and we'll just stack up some salary and and you can give them to us for that, that's not gonna make Joel Embiid happy, right? Like that's yeah. that's the other dynamic here that Philly has to figure out. Like they they can't just trade him and just get a bunch of future assets or, or whatever for him. Like if you're Portland, I think you're in a situation where you can be pretty, pretty flexible. You can say, well, we can flip Tyler hero to another team. Give us some future picks. If you have a young player. Okay. We'll take that. Philly specifically has to get win now pieces. And if their return for James Harden, isn't great. Does that eventually put us on a path to Joel Embiid a year from now, two years from now saying, eh, maybe I want to go somewhere else. So I think Philly mm-hmm. is in a, a very precarious situation here with James Harden and maybe because Daryl Morey's dealt with this, maybe we wind up in a place where they just say, we're going to hang on to you and risk it. And hopefully he shows up to training camp (laughs) in shape and, and motivated, but we've seen that backfire in the past. Like you said. Yeah. I I would not make that bet. That that would definitely be one. I'd be like, I'm out. Like, I'm just going to move on. And, and just with Philly. So this will come out probably maybe later this week, probably next week. Um, will be my first pass at 2024 cap space projections uh-huh. on spot track. So, but I already worked through Phillies because they, they, we, we hear this whole idea of part of the challenge with the trades is they want win now players, but they don't want long-term money. Right. And those two things rarely go hand in hand, <laughs> right. right. It makes it very messy to try to get a trade done. I'm in that spot. So something's going to have to give there, but as it stands, with their roster today. So this is just no James Harden trade factored in. I've got Philly somewhere. They'll they'll likely land somewhere between 33 and $50 million in cap space. But that's really leaving you with a roster of Embiid, PJ Tucker, Tyrese Maxey's relatively small cap hold of 13 million. And then you would have um, uh, probably Paul Reed is the other guy I projected. Mm on the roster. That's about it. That would be all the money that's on the books and all the players. So yeah, it sounds awesome to have, you know, $50 million. And, but this whole idea, cause I've heard some people say, well, they can get to two max free agents. They can't to get to two max free agents. You're talking, you know, somewhere between 70 and 90 million, if not a hundred 
million by next season. So that's not going to be, you know, a real realistic spot to get to uh, for Philly. Now you can still get to a lot, you know, and that gets you maybe one max guy and then you fill it out from there around those guys. So it's, it's, it's going to be fun to watch how uh, Daryl Morey navigates this, not only right now, but what this carries into in season and then all the way into next summer. And the other thing to keep in mind with all of that is like, yes, it sounds great having all that cap space, but the NBA is morphing in is morphing into a league where just cap space isn't as impactful as it mm-hmm. used to be, at least in the sense that we go, oh, that they're going to go land two big time free agents. Guys aren't hitting free agency as often anymore. Guys nope. are signing extensions. They're, we're in an era where it's all about take the money now, figure out your destination later. Teams will trade for you. So looking yes. at the free agent market for, for next summer, like maybe Pascal Siakam's out there. Maybe, yep. unless he does an extension. So like there's not a lot. And that I think so that's I be- becoming more the norm. I already ranked out the 2024 free agents because, okay. because I'm me and that's what I do. <laughs> I only have nine to 10 guys in the all-star tier uh, for next year, but half those guys have player options and a bunch of them are, even if they opt out are likely to return. So we're talking about LeBron, Kawhi Leonard, all George, and maybe, you know, one of those guys could really be on the market, but we'll see. Drew Holiday, I tend to think he probably gets, uh, you know, an extension or he's a good bet to resign with the Bucs. Um, then you get into, well, James Harden's already there. So we could probably take him out of the list as we speak about Philly specifically. Then you're into Pascal Siakam, DeMar DeRozan, and the other two guys, two young guys I'm high on that I think will get extended before the end of this season, if not, or the end of this off season. And if they don't, they'll both be restricted free agents, Tyrese Maxey and Jaden McDaniels. And then, then you get into guys like, OG Ananobi, Tobias Harris, Clay Thompson, Mike Conley, and you're kind of in your next tier of guys as you go down. So that all-star tier, one, it's small. It's not very big. And out of that group, what do we think? Maybe two, three at the most are likely to change teams of that group. So, so yeah, to your point, cap space in, in, you know, far be it from us to be the ones to, you know, not say all the time. It can be used for more than just signing it guys. Absolutely right? you can. can use it in trades and all these other things. But if you're loading up at making runs at free agents, good luck. There's just not a lot of free agents to make runs at. Yeah. And that's that's the point. So if you're again, if you're trying to sell this whole plan to Joel Embiid, man, I think they they've got to get this James Harden trade mm-hmm. right. You know, and, and I don't think the I don't think the plan can just be preserve cap space at all costs. I don't think that can be the plan with a James Harden trade because you can wind up effectively punting this next season, which isn't going to sit well with Embiid, and you still might not get the players that you want next summer, or those players simply might not be on the market with extensions getting done and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it, it's a like it's a precarious position, and I don't know that they can thread that needle of win now talent while still maintaining cap space. I'm leaning towards the former on that. Give me the win now talent. And if I have to eat into the future cap space, that's fine. I think that's the way I would weight things if I'm Philadelphia, but it doesn't feel like that's what they're actually doing. Yeah, I'm with you. I'd rather win now because if I'm Joel Embiid and the conversation is, hey, we'll have all this cap space. I'm like, cool. How many points per game does cap space get? How many rebounds is he going to grab? Right? Like, don't like, I don't want to hear that. Right. I need to know. 
like, or we're going to have cap space because we're getting player X, you know, or we really feel like we can be on sure. uh, in on one of these three guys or whatever it is. And then we go, but then even if I'm a beat, I'm like, so I got to kind of just play this season out and just, you know, let this season be whatever it is. Like, and that's fine. If you get to February and it's the beginning of the month and we're ahead of the trade deadline and things are real messy, that's easier to say, Hey, let's just kind of, you know, yeah. punk the rest of this year. We'll reset and we'll figure it out. But you can't have that conversation and the you know the, the end of the summertime, you know, as we're getting ready to open training camp in a couple months. Like that's not a time to be saying, Hey, let's just kind of throw away the year. Like that, run out the clock. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm very, very, very interested to see like you, how do you do this? And I'm and I'm of the same mind with you. The if it's gonna be the Clippers, I don't balk at taking back Norman Powell because yeah. he has a couple more years on his contract. And he can help you. He can help you. The contract's not a bad one. You ought to be able to move it if you need mm-hmm. to. So I would, I'd just take him back. And then, yeah, I don't want to take back him plus four other guys, but they don't really, they're not offering that, right? It's going to be Norman Powell and then probably mostly expiring type money in the form of Nick Batum, Marcus Morris, whoever. Mm-hmm. And then you just kind of move forward from there. Tyrese Maxey to the moon. If, uh, if James Harden gets moved and the, the main return is Norman Powell, he's going to have the ball a lot. And, uh, and that may not be a bad thing. I like Tyrese oh, Maxey. He is fantastic. Um, last thing on this, Keith, and this is, you know, Philly fans. I know we've been presenting this precarious position that, that the 76ers are in, which I think they are. Is there a GM in the NBA that you trust more to specifically handle this situation than Daryl Morey? Yeah, it's funny. Going back to the top of the show in the Masai Ujiri conversation, I'm getting a little less confident that it's going to mm-hmm. go great but I, I still you know more than more than i don't i'm going to lean towards yeah. daryl Morey will figure it out and he'll he'll make something good come of this and i think right now much like we've talked about with the lillard stuff this is all negotiations this is all you know i can't i'm not moving harden without getting you know everything that i need back that achieves all of my goals for this team at some point it'll be all right i'm going to give on you know one or two in order to get something else here and get this moving. That's just how it goes. You start out way up here and then you eventually hope to land somewhere, you know, towards the middle. And, and again, to bring things full circle, that's where urgency can get things moving as we get closer to the season actually starting right now in August, people are thinking about sitting on a beach somewhere and they're not so <laughs> worried about, about urgency, but that's coming. That's coming. That urgency is going to pick up to figure out a way yeah. to, to get these kind of things done. Particularly if, you know, if, if word starts getting out that James Harden is spending his whole summer on, on a beach with margarita <laughs> in hand, then, uh, you know, maybe that'll increase the urgency for Philadelphia. We'll see, we'll see <laughs> what that looks like. But, uh, Keith, you know, we went into today's show saying, well, we've got a few news topics to get to. Here we are over the 40-minute mark again, because once we start talking NBA basketball, we can't stop. No, yeah, and this is the stuff we love, right? We love yep. getting into to deep into these topics. And again, Pistons fans and uh, Grizzlies fans, we will next show we will have uh, the the off season recaps for those two teams. We'll we'll spend time on those. And the goal, as always, we'll see if we get there, is to get through um, everything. But I, th- I think this year we will. I we're you know we'll have a couple you know hopefully big trades to break down here at some point. But mm-hmm. but but we're definitely going to keep keep things moving uh, with, with those off season recaps and all that. Quick scheduled nonsense here at the end or unscheduled oh, okay. nonsense. I guess. Uh, the Smith parents, we might be the parents of the year, Trevor. 
We landed Taylor Swift tickets for, oh. for her, her newly announced shows in Miami. We, we, we were able to get a couple tickets uh, for, for her, her coming through here. So we have a very, very happy uh, Swifty here in the Smith house. That's how, how did you pull that off? luck man we the, the the keith smith connections coming through <laughs> i wish dude if i had the connections i would have got them when she was in tampa uh, already <laughs> we already would have been and gone no it was a it was just complete luck we uh you you could put in a whole bunch of different uh email addresses so we used the ones we had available and the one oddly that cut through was our daughters i uh, got well, through and we, meant uh, to be and then, yeah and then we got the code and we sat there and anxiously waited because that still didn't mean you're actually going to get tickets like that was the first stage it was like you know trying to complete a video game it's like all right i beat the final boss oh wait there's two more final bosses to come but we <laughs> finally got the room and we went uh speaking of final bosses while we're on unscheduled nonsense the mario movie really fun i really liked it oh yeah yeah, yeah. we yeah. we watched it we saw it in theaters then we watched it again uh day before yesterday yeah because it's on uh what is it on peacock peacock yeah. 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 We watched it uh, the other day and I thought it was really funny. It's good. Like I, yeah, I thought all the little touches back to like the old video games. There was one part. I don't know if you caught it. It's like when he's, uh, he's following toad the first time through the mushroom uh -huh. Mario is, and they're like running through like the town, like market or whatever. And the one guy goes, does this work? And the other guy goes, ah, you might have to blow into it first. That's right. Like, oh, that's, that's right. New classic Nintendo video game stuff. So uh, that that made me crack up. I, I like daughter was like, "What's that?" What, you're like, "Oh, though no, that's that's from 1987." So yep. let's let's explain. Um, I like the the part where uh, the toads say that uh, the princess is in another castle, and I'm yes. like, "Oh, that was so frustrating." <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, man. That was a killer with with that one. So yeah, if people haven't seen the Mario movie, it's really cute. I've not seen Barbie. I've not seen Oppenheimer. Those mm -hmm. those are probably gonna have to wait at this point because school and soccer and everything has started. But we did sit down and watch the Mario movie. We uh we saw Haunted Mansion. And okay. that was that was that was worth seeing. It was it's yeah, just if you're just that. looking for like just a summer fun movie, you're not going and expecting like some kind of life-changing experience or anything like that. If you just want to sit down and be entertained for an hour and a half or, or whatever. This this will get it done. It it was it was definitely worth seeing in, in my mind. Yeah, everybody I know who saw its comment was way better than the other one that yes. was made. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's like, this one's actually pretty good, pretty funny. And and if they, and a bunch of people said, if you're a big fan of the ride, yep. like there's a bunch of nods to the ride and stuff. That's one of my favorite Disney Disney attractions. So yeah, I'm uh, uh well we'll we'll see that one eventually. It played while we were on our cruise. But it was the night before we got off the cruise and they couldn't play it until I think it was one o'clock in the morning because they had to wait for it to be Friday. And it was like, I was like, we got to be up and off this ship at 730, o'clock. Like, no, I'm not going and sitting in a two hour movie and then, you know, going to get up short on sleep when I'm already upset to have to leave the boat anyway. I was yeah. like, no, let's just, you know, let's just skip it. So we'll see that probably when it hits Disney Plus. Hey, Keith, I keep trying with secret invasion and i'm still not through the first episode because i feel like i have to like super pay attention to it and all the conversations and i just can't seem to do that like i'm, I'm constantly having other stuff that i have to I like i need something on that i can just watch while i'm doing other things and i have to like completely pay attention to that. and so i haven't I haven't gotten through that but at least you know we got got through haunted mansion and everything so i'm, I'm still <laughs> working on secret invasion well i'll get caught up there at some point i know it's secret invasion i, I watched the first one 
And I did the same thing as you. I was like, I'm going to have to rewatch this because I knew yeah. I missed like five things. So then I sat down and I knocked them all out in a row. Uh, I had like a six hour-ish window where I was like, you know what? I can watch all of these. And I just knocked them all out in a row, watched all of them. And I liked it. You know, I thought it was it was pretty good. I, you know, I know some people are beating up on it a little bit, but I, I liked it. I thought it was good. I, I think the problem is, People are like, this was a, such a huge, massive thing in the comic books. Yeah. In here, it just kind of was like another thing that happened in like the span yeah. of a week. And, you know, so it was like, uh, yeah, I could kind of get where people are coming from with that one. So, yeah, but now we're, you know, Loki's coming out soon, too. And then the Marvels, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in the fall. But that's going to be it for a little while with uh, with all the strikes going on and all that. So it might be might be time to catch up and rewatch and catch some things I didn't see the first time around. I feel like it's kind of necessary at this point. Like not, not, not to say that the strikes and everything are a good thing. And it's not, you know, that's not what I'm trying to convey here, but I mean, it almost feels like there's so much that's come out, you know, Marvel and other way, uh, just superhero movies in general and everything. It's almost like we need a little bit of a breather, <laughs> yeah. you know, to kind of catch up, catch a breath, reset, and then, and then kind of restart everything. Um, Agreed. Hopefully in the near future. That's kind of where, I, where I'm at at this point. Yep. I'm with you on that. And, you know, with the strikes, hey, man, pay, pay the writers, pay, pay the, For sure. the actors, as, you know, as, uh, you know, multiple of the actors have said, the, the ones who are striking, they're striking with them in solidarity. But this isn't about Tom Cruise and, you know, no. Robert Downey Jr. and all, you know, Julie Roberts. This is about the people who are, you know, background actor, actors that are, you know, barely struggling to make a living, you know, do doing their chosen profession. And I, I have two friends who are writers that they, they write for various TV uh, projects. And like, I tell you, they're not, they're, they're not getting rich. And these are stuff people watch like big time shows that people watch. And, you know, it's just kind of how it works. It's, you know, it's with this stuff and they're, they're also fighting against all this AI stuff and all these things where right. it's like, you know, there's stuff coming in that, you know, you know, if they would decide I can do your job or 90% of your job, then we'll pay two of you to touch it up and, you know, clean it up and go from there. But yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to see, you know, how that all plays out too. Cause, cause there could be spillover into the way sports are covered as well. Sure. You know, back end on that and we'll, we'll see but but yeah that's uh but yeah i enjoyed secret invasion uh yeah like i said we uh you know i enjoyed the mario movie and we we got some taylor swift tickets so now the big thing is we got to keep her like uh you know <laughs> like understanding it's a it's 14 months away because it's in, it's in october of 2024 uh, when the show is so i did not realize i was thinking this was coming up but like i don't oh, pay any attention yeah. to, to any of this stuff so i had no idea that i was thinking this is like in a few weeks or something no. like that yeah she's this so is she's over wrapping a year up her, away yeah she's wrapping oh, up her u.s tour and headed, oh my headed over to europe and overseas and then she'll be she she just added four cities four cities in like 12 dates or something uh when she comes back and one of them was miami and we're like, all right, we'll try because we didn't, we couldn't get the Tampa ones. Um, when we tried as hard as we could, so we're like, all right, we'll try, and we were able to get 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 a couple tickets, and yep, and she'll 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 be a happy kid by the time by the time we get there, hopefully. But now I can have like this thing I can hold over for the next oh leverage. Oh, oh, you don't want to clean your room? Okay, I guess I'll sell those Taylor Swift tickets, and you there know, you go, my money back on them, and go from there. So so that that's also a bonus benefit for me. Nice. Nice. I see that. That's the way a parent, a parent has to think. So I think about that. What, yep. what kind of leverage am I going to have? So that's actually a good thing that you have to wait that long because then you've got that, that button to press 
for the next year plus year yeah. plus while it's you wait like for pulling the santa card in february right like, that's right that's right christmas is coming and they're like yeah, it's 10 months away like yeah, yeah. i get enough okay. time to be good <laughs> all right let's wrap things up there appreciate everybody for joining us make sure you do subscribe to the nba front office show over on youtube turn on those notifications like this video and then of course over on apple podcast spotify wherever it is you listen to podcasts make sure you're following us there as well Till next time everybody see ya and stay safe whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.